Hi, welcome to Second Congregational Church. I'm Reverend Sean Guerin, and you have found yourself at our Saturday night evening service. And tonight we're going to continue in our look at the Gospel of John. And we've been studying how to read the Bible through different lenses, and we're reading the Gospel of John with fresh eyes. This is reading or hearing the Bible as one would read Homer's Iliad, or, or as one would read Paradise Lost or The Giving Tree, and understanding that these stories that are told figuratively are not meant to be understood literally. The purpose of these stories is to provoke something in us. We learned last week, and here's a quick summary, that in the early church there was a debate on how to read scripture. Does one read it literally like evangelicals sometimes do? Or does one read it to find an ethical or moral teaching like the progressive church does? Or is there another way that has yet to be brought mainstream? My research and study has led me to see that there was a very educated group of early Christians who picked up on Jesus's style of teaching. These Christians sought to continue Jesus's tradition of using stories, myths, and parables in order to teach us about the spiritual nature of who we are and the world around us. Just like there are exercises to work out certain parts of your body, just like there are exercises to work out parts of your mind, Jesus used parabolic stories to work out the spiritual parts in us. And you can hear Jesus describe this process and technique to his own disciples in Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 where it says, when they were off by themselves, those who were close to him, along with the twelve, asked about the parabolic stories, the way that Jesus taught in parables. And he told them, you've been given insight. In Greek, the word gnosis is insight, knowledge. You've been given the gnosis, the, the insight, into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it yet, everything comes in stories, creating readiness, nudging them towards receptive insight. Through story, myths, and parables, Jesus taught people about the kingdom of heaven. Later in that chapter, it says, Jesus taught everyone this way. It can be read right there in Scripture. It says, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them in anything except parables. And Jesus did this because the spiritual meaning behind all things must come naturally. You can't force someone to understand it. You can only nudge them, nudge a person towards the spiritual. When the meaning comes, it will come from within, much like when you have an aha moment. You know, it'll be like, wow, that's what Jesus was talking about. When we come to church, we, as spiritual teachers, pastors, we are trying to stir this in everyone. Through reflecting on these sacred stories, we are speaking to that spiritual part of the human being that resides in us all. 
The Bible is clear to say that the human being is made up of three parts, and here are some passages that tell us this. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body. See, three parts. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. So three parts, spirit, soul, and body. In 1 Corinthians 15.40, it says, If there's a physical body, there's also a spiritual body. And this has been my aim, to teach about this part. Not to teach, you know, you're not here to get educated on, you know, in seminary. This isn't a Bible uh, knowledge course. And this isn't an ethic or moral teaching course. What I want to teach you about is the spiritual part of ourselves, the eternal part of ourselves. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.16 saying, Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. This is the nature the Bible is speaking to, your spiritual nature. If you want, you could go read a book about how to be a good person anywhere. You can go join a religion or take a course, and that will be a good guide for you. But that's not the work we're doing here. That's surface work. What I want to do now is summon the spiritual side of ourselves so that when we come to Jesus, when we read him in the correct way, when we study his word in the right way through spiritual lenses, that Jesus will wake up the part of us that the Bible says is sleeping. Right? It says, awake, O sleeper. If you're reading that and awake, that means nothing. What that's saying is there's a spiritual component that's asleep in us. And when Jesus teaches us, when we come to the Bible and read it, it's awaking that spiritual aspect, that spiritual nature within us. When we come to the Bible, we don't read it as simply a book that will tell us magical and miraculous tales. We dig into it and read it for its spiritual message, one that lies underneath, reading it as Paul told us to read it in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 16. He, listen to this. This is, uh, this is a very powerful passage in Scripture. It says, The Spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God. The spirit goes into the depths of God. You and I have a spirit, and where you and I can't dive into the depths of God, we have a spirit that can dive into the depths of God. And that spirit that is within us, God has put it in us. And it says, and God brings out what has, planned, has been planned all along. See, when we do this spiritual practice, this passage of Scripture comes to life. Here's what it says. 
we don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. Everybody's always arguing what religion is right. Paul says, we didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God, who taught us person to person through Jesus. And he says, the unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can only be known by spirit. God's spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God is doing, God's spirit is doing. And so when we come to read these stories in John, we don't hover over the surface of them. It says the spirit doesn't like to hover over the surface of these things. Like we learned last week, Jesus turning the water to wine was symbolic. That was just the surface story. What Jesus did with, it was symbolic of what Jesus did with a bland religion that had lost its flavor. Jesus turns that old law into a new law. A law that asks you to take on the responsibility of loving yourself and others. Rather than having stone tablets and stone buildings tell you how to act, Jesus was calling humanity to evolve by following the divine nature that is innate within us. The story of water being turned to wine is not meant to be taken literally. If you read it like that, then you'll say, what what is this even talking about? How does that help the world? Jesus is showing us how our understanding of God must grow and mature over time. And that was the miraculous transformation. A human being changing from a physical being into a spiritual being. A stone law written on tablets that now would be transformed into a law written upon the human heart. I read it before where Paul writes how this word uh, Jesus taught, this teaching that Jesus did, this spiritual teaching, is living and active. And that's the value of Scripture. It provokes the spiritual in us to also become living and active. This is what I want to focus on today because if you read the Bible literally, you will either have to check your logic at the door dismiss it, or just pick and choose what you don't like and what you do like. This is where people will tell you, just have faith. But I think that is ignoring the reason and intellect that God gave us. God doesn't ask us to blindly follow. In fact, Jesus teaches that if the blind follow the blind, both fall into the pit. What Jesus wants us to do is have the faith to believe the story is telling you something spiritual and that you should meditate on what is really being said under the surface. In John chapter 6, we hear another fantastic story, just like we heard with water to the wine. We hear another story of when Jesus fed 5,000 people. Now, have we ever asked, why, why didn't if, this, if Jesus could really feed 5,000 people, why didn't he, Jesus just feed all the people who were hungry wherever he went? Why would he do this once? 
If Jesus really could do such amazing miracles and things like this, why come for only a moment in time and then disappear? Why are there people starving in this world when God could just duplicate food and make it rain down from heaven? Surely, see, when something like this is too uh, unbelievable, it's almost like trying to get your attention. It's saying, stop, stop, this isn't literal. What's the spiritual meaning? Surely, this must be saying something else, something deeper than what's on the surface. I think I've just demonstrated with many passages and examples from Scripture, and I didn't even, I wanted to save these guys some time. I didn't even name them all. But these are just some of the many biblical passages teaching us that this is not meant to be read literally, but rather it is a story meant to teach us something spiritual. You likely heard this story before in church, you know, Jesus feeding 5,000 people, maybe in Sunday school growing up. You know that Jesus is said to have fed all these people with a schoolboy's lunch, a little boy who just happened to be carrying five barley loaves and two fish. And that's really all we ever teach about. We don't go further in the story. And that's a shame, because to just see that is to miss the whole meaning behind the story. In the same chapter, Jesus is going to say exactly what happened, what this figurative story, this figurative miracle really meant. You just would have to read a little further. Because later, in the same chapter, it says, when Jesus stopped teaching, when he was finished, people came back to him and he said, this is what he said, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He literally says that there was no sign. How would that whole crowd even know exactly where they got the food from anyway? Even if it was a miracle, no one would know that it was Jesus pumping out bread. The author John was writing this story symbolically to tell us that Jesus doesn't come to feed the physical body. He didn't come here to bring us loaves of bread for one day 2,000 years ago? That's not the miracle here. And we'll read through this chapter that Jesus keeps telling the people that he is the bread that has come down from heaven. And how did the literal reading religious leaders respond? They didn't get his parable, his metaphoric style of teaching. They said, how can this man be bred. Remember that he taught the same thing about being born again, and the religious leader said, how can a man go back in a mother's womb? See, Jesus' style was always metaphoric, always symbolic. In John chapter 4, he tells the woman at the well, are you, you know, can you get me a drink? And he's not really talking about a drink. He's talking about a spiritual, uh, a spiritual drink not a physical drink. This was his style of teaching. So the religious leaders are, are stuck on this again, like Nicodemus. They, you know, they say, how can this man be bread? He's not a loaf of bread. He didn't, how did he come down from heaven? 
And they said, oh, he must, he, we know his parents. He's not from a bakery. He's from, uh, he's from Joseph and Mary. And he just keeps saying over and over, Jesus will continue. He, he just, I kind of think it's, it's funny how he doesn't give them the answer. He just keeps going with it. And he says, yes, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not inherit the kingdom of life, uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven. You'll not have eternal life. Now, do you think that Jesus really wants us to eat his flesh and drink his blood? That he's really a loaf of bread? Is he calling us to be cannibals? You know, this is what people uh, actually called the church. They thought that they were cannibals because they would talk like this. That clearly, it was symbolic, right? Where does that even leave us? Right? Do we, you know, do you, if you go to certain churches, they, they hold up the bread and the cup like, like they're casting a spell and turning it into Jesus' real body and blood. But isn't this clearly symbolic? And that's the point. The Bible is completely, not just in part, it's completely symbolic. It's not meant to be taken literally at all. The whole thing. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 through 6, that we, like Jesus, and just like the author of the Gospel of John, are ministers of a new covenant not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, literal reading is a dead end, but the Spirit, spiritual reading, gives life. So the, the stories might be based in some kind of reality, but the, author, the authors took the liberty to transform physical events and plug into spiritual teaching inside of them. See, much, uh, much of what the Bible does is like what a dream does, right? It takes the residue of the day. It takes things you, you know a little bit about, but it, it, over, it overblows them. It's much like what happens when we meditate, when we sit still and put ourselves in a different state. Much like what happens when we do self-analysis, when we focus on what's behind our behaviors. And that's really the word for tefillah. Uh, that's the, the, the word, Hebrew word for prayer is tefillah, and that's self-analysis. The Bible presents a spiritual reality with mythical and metaphoric stories that represent what's going on under the surface of our lives. Narratives that allow us to see the unseeable and give us insight into what's going on spiritually. While I was writing this sermon, I was physically starving. I hadn't eaten all day. My body was hungry. And, you know, it was around 5.30, and my wife texted me a picture of the steak tips, rice, and green beans she had made for dinner. I was hungry, and my body was like, yes, go get that food. But at the same time, I was reading this passage. 
of Scripture. I was reading John 6. And I started, I, I felt, I was feeling another kind of hunger. The Bible describes this hunger in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It's in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You see, when I was reading Scripture spiritually, I was awaking a part of myself that needs nourishment just as my physical body needs nourishment. I was feeding the spiritual part of my being. Reading this sacred literature, the Bible, through this Gnostic lens, through a spiritual lens, I began feeding my spirit, feeding my soul. I began nourishing that part of me that is the center of my being, my eternal self, the immortal self. I was living out that teaching of Jesus where he quotes Moses from Deuteronomy saying, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. This type of reading is a mystical act that I can only describe to you if you haven't tasted it for yourself. But that is what these stories do. They provide an example of what it's like when one takes the narrow road and begins the quest to know who they truly are. And who are you? What are you? Are you just this body? Are you just this mind? Look in the mirror this week. Maybe you know who you are. Maybe you know what you are. You can feast on the Word of God daily and find it to be a satisfying meal. I went home and eventually ate the dinner my wife made for me, and I was full. It was a good meal. But do you know what I couldn't put down? Do you know what I couldn't stop eating? I read this whole passage of Scripture aloud to my wife and son. I read to them what Jesus taught, and man, I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop reading. But eventually, I just put it aside to finish this message. I hope that you would look in the mirror this week to see that you are more than a body and a mind. You are a spiritual being. Open. Remember Jesus said, if you had eyes to see and ears to hear, you have eyes to see, you have ears to hear. But he's talking about spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to see, hear. So open the Bible this week. Open it to the Gospel of John and let it speak to you. Read this chapter in John 6. And see for yourself. Think about it. Listen to this message again. It'll be on YouTube or on my podcast. You can, you can find it on seangarin.com. All that stuff is there. And let it guide you as you read. Feed your spirit this week and watch. Watch. It will wake you up from the inside out. It will come over you, you will feel it, and you will experience the hunger that those people had back then, and you will eat the bread that Jesus gave all those years ago.
and you'll know how he feeds not just thousands, but how he has fed millions and millions over the course of 2,000 years. Jesus came to feed us spiritually. He came to awaken our inner beings. He came to invite us into eternal life, and that life begins within you. Just like a healthy body begins with a step, just like a student begins feeding their minds with a class, like a worker begins an apprenticeship and begins learning a trade, the spiritual life begins with a hunger for something deeper. So don't just listen to this message once. Listen to it again and again. For I have prepared this message like a meal, and it's just the appetizer. Feast on the bread of life that is Christ, who is found in these symbolic stories, and who is found inside of yourself. When you crave the food that feeds what is eternal in you, you will understand what Jesus said when he taught, I am the bread of life, and whoever eats from me will never go hungry again. Amen. Mm-hmm.